Why hello there future fans! Welcome! We have a really big week despite the fact that there are no big blockbusters coming out. And why is it a big week? Well that's because we have some big news in the trailer trove, some big news in general, and some really good looking movies. So overall it's the best week we've had in a long time. What's the movie news? Well what's the trailer news? And what movies look interesting? Stay tuned and find out on episode 62 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show, everyone. That's right. It is going to be a bigger episode this week, or at least a more impressive episode as far as topics go. Do I sound a little different from last week? That's because I'm changing up my setup again just to see if I like this one better. I do miss my old mic, but I like having the soundboard. And right now I'm just copying the layout Snarf Chris has for his knobs and things, which sounds really dirty, but we'll just walk right past that and ignore it. Yes, I'm copying his setup and I think I'm going to tweak it a little bit and just to test it. Who knows? I may go back to it because he's been doing this a while longer than me. So he knows what he's doing better than I do. But at least this way I can say, oh yes, I've tried many different layouts and I like this one the best. So yes, as I sip my tea. I'm not having a whiskey and soda, not at all. No. Well, my friends, if you are wondering what this idiot is talking about, then you may be new. You may be new to the show, and if you're new, if you're a first-time listener, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. If you're already used to me being weird, then welcome back to the show. That means you're a return listener, and thank you for your constant support. And I do say that every episode, but I do mean it. If I didn't get at least some listeners and some feedback, I would have stopped a long time ago, because then it wouldn't be worth it. But it is, because some people do like this show. Yay and thank you. But for those of you who are new, you may be wondering what it is I do here. So let me tell you. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that comes out during the week. I talk about it, I say who's in it and what it's about, and then I give my thoughts on it. I also give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, or the Bills Score. That score is always based off the trailer and sometimes news I may have learned about the movie. No, I don't have any insider knowledge that has allowed me a glimpse into the film. No, I know everything you do. The score goes from a very low zero which means the film is terrible and should not be watched by anyone, to an 11, which means, oh my god, how have you not pre-purchased your tickets already? Get on my level, you scrub. I always throw in the news that has caught my attention and the trailers that have caught my attention. But let's jump into the opening housekeeping, which is always shorter than the ending housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me at Twitter, at Billiam SWN on Instagram Billiam SWN and email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com So let's move on to our first segment which as always is the news. The rumor mill has been all abuzz with news that Zach Penn the writer of Avengers and Ready Player One the screenplay is writing a new Matrix movie. According to him this isn't a remake sequel or reboot. What's left? According to some cryptic tweets from the writer himself, this is a movie, or a series of movies, that take place in the same world but have nothing to do with the original films. This according to Slash Film. Also according to Slash Film, in Hulk news, we may not be getting a standalone Hulk movie, but Hulk is getting a three-movie-long story arc that is starting in Thor Ragnarok. Mark Ruffalo was approached by Kevin Feige that, and wanted to know what Ruffalo would like to see done with the character. They talked about it, and Feige liked what Ruffalo had to say, and now we're getting Hulk's story stretched out between three films, which is also included in Avengers 3 and 4. And I want to know your thoughts on this. What are your thoughts of us getting an actual Hulk storyline, but not a Hulk standalone movie? Could this be better because you can do more with a character in between three films? Or would you rather just sit down and watch one Hulk story from beginning to end and not have to wait for three different films? What are your thoughts on this? 
Cinema Blend reported that the main cast of Avatar 2 has been announced. Sigourney Weaver and Sam Worthington are returning, but their characters are now fully in their Navi avatars, so they'll be providing voices, maybe some acting and flashbacks. Zoe Saldana returns as Natiri, and a surprise return is actor Stephen Lang, who played Colonel Quartich in the first movie, who also died in the first movie, but Cameron had an idea to bring him back. Added to the cast are CCH Pounder, and Kate Winslet, along with a ton of child actors. Apparently Jake Sully and Neytiri have had some kids. They have taken the Navi train to Poundtown. While I would still like to see this movie, I don't have high hopes for it doing well because it's just been too long, like I've said before. There's news about Top Gun, or the Top Gun sequel that is. There were rumors flying around. Get it? Do you see what I did there? Flying around. Oh, I slay me. Uh let's get back to it. There are rumors flying around that this movie would be about drones, but that rumor has been squashed. Good old-fashioned planes for Top Gun 2. The article also hinted that yes, there will be a sequel to Alien Covenant, despite the movie being utter sh**. That information was brought to us by Slash Film. In questionable news, according to Cinema Blend, the new Halloween movie will ignore all of the sequels except number two. This movie will pretend that only the first and the second happened, and this will be a direct sequel to those. Now, only time will tell if this is really the case or if someone will put a stop to that ridiculous bullshit. There are a lot of Halloween fans that are very protective of the other movies. Even some of them who really liked Season of the Witch. We have this whole story they painted with Michael Myers and then a cult. Then Michael Myers may be having a child with his niece. And now all that's gone. Okay, after after saying that, having a child with his niece, maybe, maybe it's best. Maybe it's best that they get rid of it. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Again, according to Cinema Blend, in Fast and Furious news, Fast and Furious 9 is being pushed back to the year 2020. Now, who is to blame for this is being speculated? Vin Diesel took some blame, saying that the franchise was in need of maintenance, and Ron Meyer of Universal granted him the time. However, there are others saying it's Dwayne Johnson's fault, as he pushed for the spin-off movie to get released as soon as possible. Another person to blame? Potentially Justin Lin, the director of Fast and Furious 3, 5, and 6. They wanted him back, but he was busy and needed time to finish other projects. So who's really to blame? Let's just play it safe and blame everyone. And I just want to acknowledge all the Harvey Weinstein news. I I'm not going to talk about it here because it's not actually about movies coming out. It's just all about some old rich dude being a scumbag. Well, that is it for the news. Let's take a trip into the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. Two huge trailers dropped since the last episode, and you've all seen them probably multiple times. And if you haven't, then you lose major nerd points. I'll talk about those big ones now and then get into the other trailers that caught my attention. The first trailer, of course, was the new Justice League trailer, which shows us why Henry Cavill was involved in filming for the new film. Of course, that could just be a red herring, and he could show up at the end just like a lot of people are thinking he will. So they could have released his trailer to show flashbacks of Superman to go, see, this is why he was involved in filming. No, no, he's not coming back. He's he's dead. The trailer eased my mind a bit. I believe this movie is going to be, at the very least, fun. If not, even good. I like Zack Snyder, but he's really, really hit or miss. And when he hits, he hits it big. And when he misses, he swings and this is so hard. But of course, he unfortunately had tragedy in his family with the suicide of his daughter, but he did wish that filming and post-production would move on, so they got Joss Whedon. Or if you're Snarf Chris, Josh Whedon. I know, man, I tease you about that too much. I'm sorry. But probably the only silver lining to this tragedy, and it's a minor silver lining, but good for the movie and good for us, is that now we have Joss Whedon who can make sure Zack Snyder didn't screw the pooch. All right, my friends, and we have the second big trailer of the week, so say it with me, folks. The Tick. Okay, well, no. Okay, that did come out, but the big one is Star Wars. The Last Jedi got a trailer, and it looks... Well, let's talk about it. I won't do a full rundown. I'm just going to go into a little more detail, but if you don't want to hear anything about it, if you're one of those people that's trying to not watch the trailer and not see anything that could potentially spoil, skip ahead about 
two minutes. If you want to be really safe, three minutes. When the trailer starts, we see Kylo Ren doing his dark and brooding thing. Shots of what looks like a bigger ATAT -AT walker, and no, it's not called an AT-AT, you asshat. It also has Snoke doing a voiceover, and then we see Rey training in a Rocky montage. Woo! But now we get a hint that this is why it's called The Last Jedi. Rey is strong. Really strong. And Luke is scared that she'll become Kylo Ren Part 2. So this hints at him stopping her training. And then we see the film is going to focus more on Kylo's struggle and showing how Adam Driver is a great an underrated actor. We get more Poe and more Captain Phantasma. Looks like Finn gets captured and it hints that Rey gets tempted by the dark side. To me, it looks like this is going to be fun. It's still going to be good, but it's still going to suffer from middle movie syndrome. Empire Strikes Back didn't suffer. In fact, it was the best one of the series. This trilogy, however, will not have the same fate. I don't think this is going to be bad. It's just not going to be as good as the first one. What we don't see in the trailer is General Hux, Lieutenant Connix, and Vice Admiral Amelin Holndo. I think that's how you say it. All of which are supposed to be in this film as well. Moving on, we have a full trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising, also starring John Boyega. Also starring Scott Eastwood and Tian Jing, with actors like Rinko Kikuchi and Charlie Day returning for the sequel. This looks good, though I'm confused a bit. Are Jaegers fighting Jaegers here, or did they take some sort of scene of them training and cut it to look like they were fighting? Does someone rebel in the piece that follows? Did we start our world war with Jaegers? Either way, it looks good. Giant f***ing robots. And like I mentioned earlier, The Tick is getting the rest of its first season, finally, since some ass only ordered half a season. This premieres February 23rd, 2018. I talk about the trailer, but there are spoilers and it hasn't quite been a year yet, at least I don't think. Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams is coming to Amazon. This series stars Anna Paquin, Terrence Howard, Greg Kinnear, Steve Buscemi, Janelle Monet, Essie Davis, Brian Cranston, and Richard Madden. Though each episode is a standalone story based on the works of Philip K. Dick, so not all these actors will be in the same episode. And finally, we have a trailer for a movie that I'm really excited for. That's Molly's Game. This is an Aaron Sorkin movie. It's his first directorial debut, and it looks Great. This stars Jessica Chastain as a woman who runs the largest illegal poker game in America, who has celebrities come to her games that's that big, but she gets arrested and must fight to save her name. It also stars Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah, and Chris O'Dowd. Alright folks, that's the end of the trailer trove and you know what that means. It's time for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, Someone to Read a Comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time to kick off the movies. And let's start with a good movie called Goodbye, Christopher Robin. This is a biopic about how author A.A. Milne got the inspiration for Winnie the Pooh from his son, C.R. Milne, also known as Christopher Robin. This stars Domino Gleason from Ex Machina and Margot Robbie from Wolf of Wall Street. So my first question when I heard about this movie was why the title? Because before you prepare for some super sad movie where Christopher Robin dies, he doesn't. He died at the ripe old age of 75 back in 1996. So where's the goodbye part from? Well, we're not going to have to deal with a child's death in this movie, but that doesn't mean it's going to be happy. Because 
A.A. Milne had to fight in the war. Which war? Well, this time it's not World War II. No, this time it's World War One. A war we really don't talk about a lot as far as cinema goes. And it's weird because it's not such a controversial topic as... Afghanistan, Iraq, things like that. Back then, World War I and II had more of a clear who was right and who was wrong. Sure, you can find a whole bunch of stuff that each side did wrong. America isn't perfect back in World War II, you know, obviously with the Japanese. But even then, we still had an obvious, okay, Hitler and the Axis powers were evil, the Allies were good, and even World War I. Allies good, Germany and company bad. Well, of course, World War I had quite an effect on the author. According to this biopic, he was to write plays and he was a humorist. According to a quick Google search, he also wrote propaganda for World War I, which I guess people were angry about. Writing propaganda for the war? How dare you, sir? Said no reasonable person ever. But anyway, the war kind of messed him up. And as the trailer tells us, he wants to escape the big city because there's too much that has that causes flashbacks and, and sparks his PTSD. And it's only when he moves into the country that he spends more time with his son and he gets the idea for Winnie the Pooh. The second act of this movie, at least from what I can tell from the trailer, moves away from him trying to escape the war and moves into him in the limelight again that Winnie the Pooh sells a sh ton of books and suddenly his child is in the spotlight and then him saying hey is this right for this for my child to be in the spotlight to go to all these events to go and stand in front of a whole bunch of people have reporters shout questions at him go to this parade do this thing shouldn't we let our kid live his life and here's where i think it's gonna go in this is in the second half in the second act that is we're going to have the author a.a milne be behind it going yeah all right look how big this is i am bigger than ever now look all the look at all the money and all the good we can do for the family and his wife going well look at what's doing to our kid and then slowly it'll dawn on him going whoa 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 everyone wants christopher robin and it's kind of messing with my son. Oh, that's where the goodbye could come from. All right. Okay, before anyone asks, I am a fan of Winnie the Pooh, but I don't know a lot about the history of the author and the real Christopher Robin. So what I'm saying, or what I'm going to say is speculation. Here's my thought on where the goodbye can come from is that A.A. Milne pulls his son from the limelight and goes, okay, no more. No more interviews, no more parades, no more public appearances at all. Let my kid be a kid. And all that could be why, famously, Christopher Robin was not a fan of Winnie the Pooh. But I don't think they're going to cover that at all in the movie. This is really about the birth of Winnie the Pooh and how it affects the family. And as a movie, this looks good. Domino Gleason is a fantastic actor. I hope in The Last Jedi we're going to see a lot more of General Hux. And Margot Robbie, I think, is a fantastic actress. A, a lot of people are torn on her. Some people go, oh, people just like her because she's hot. And yeah, okay. She is hot, but I think she's a really good actress too. So we have these two good actors in this film and this kid who looks like he crushes it as Christopher Robin. If you look at old pictures of Christopher Robin, the kid looks the same. Maybe the face is a little chubbier, but th like that's it. And here's the thing to ask yourself before you put this on your to-be-watch list or to-be-ignored list, is how do you feel about movies where there's little British children who talk a lot? And this is like the very proper, stereotypical, high-class British. Like, father, shall we go walk in the woods today? Father, may I have a chip bap, please? All right, that may seem like a weird thing to bring up, but I have met more people than I ever thought I would who would hate this movie just on that. And some of those people are British too. I like how I justified that. It's the same sort of justification that before someone says something really racist, like, oh, some of my best friends are black, but, and insert ridiculously racist thing here. Yeah, I won't delete this. I'll keep it in. Hell, last episode I kept in that whole part about how bronies disgust me. Pushing the boundaries of what's okay on future flicks. That's what we're doing here, folks. But let's wrap this up. This looks like a good movie. I have been excited for it since I saw the first trailer. But again, unless I get the chance, unless there's some divine intervention, like, oh, the power goes out at work. I have a free day. Look what's happening right now. There is a showing of Goodbye Christopher Robin. Look, I have my movie pass card. Then I would see it. Other than that, I will wait for it to come out on DVD. I will see if it's a Black Friday deal when that comes around or watch it if it comes on streaming this looks like a good movie but the perfect movie to watch at home on a rainy day with a cup of something hot goodbye christopher robin gets a seven out of eleven that was nice, wasn't it? Starting this episode with something positive. I like that. I'm going to try and do that more. Let's keep the positivity train going with a movie 
called Breathe. This is the true story of Robin and Diana Cavendish. The two fell in love and got married, but Robin fell victim to a devastating disease, leaving him paralyzed and unable to breathe on his own. He didn't want to live the rest of his life in a hospital, so with the help of his wife, he found that life could go on. This stars Andrew Garfield from Hacksaw Ridge, Claire Foy from The Crown, Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey, Diana Rigg from Game of Thrones, and Tom Hollander from Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. It's weird when a movie comes out and it feels like an old idea or a stale idea, but it's based off real life, on something that really happened. And I suppose that could be a good thing, because that means, yes, there's a lot of wonderful stories out there of people overcoming the odds and coming up on top, people who didn't give up, people who banded together, and all this great camaraderie and sh**. But we're not talking about that, we are talking about movies, and even though I just said it feels stale, and it kind of does just because it's a uplifting story of this guy who was about to give up because he's unable to move, unable to even breathe on his own, all he can do is just lay there, and he's ready to give up, but his wife is like, no, don't give up, for I love you, and love can fix anything. And I do believe in love, I believe love can fix a lot of things, the only thing it cannot fix is my printer that I went all ape shit on when it broke a couple days ago. But let me just say that if you ever want to recreate the fax machine scene from Office Space, it is very cathartic. But yes, love can fix it all. So she convinces him, yes, love can fix it all. And with the help of modern technology or creating new technology that we now look at as modern, he made it out of the hospital. The trailer shows a couple stages they go through. So they're they're happy, they're in love, they get married, a baby's on the way, this disease hits him. He then goes into the hospital where he's totally unhappy, and I get it. I cannot imagine being in that position. And so he's basically saying, I can't live like this. And his wife doesn't like the sound of that. She's like, no, I, I don't want you to die. I want you to stay around. And so then they move him home, which he apparently barely survives a trip home. Like the first time that's ever been done, someone who has that condition being taken home. Yay, they did it. That's a milestone. And then, oh, I, I still want to go out and do things. Well, they invent this wheelchair that allows him to be on a ventilator anyway. So even though that's still impressive technology today, we don't look at it as awe-inspiring and as fresh as it was back then. This was the first time it happened. Hey, look, I can be in a wheelchair and wheeled around by my wife and not die because I can't breathe. And it's not just that. It's not just that he can now leave the house with the aid of the chair, the ventilator, and his wife. It's that he becomes a public figure, kind of, that he stands up and says, look, everyone else that is stuck in a hospital Look, you don't have to anymore. Look at this technology that was invented for me. Now it can be used for you too. And I know I said the movie felt stale, but that's just because it feels familiar. If you look at a lot of these inspiring movies, you can you can take The Blind Side, Cinderella Man, My Left Foot. They're all different, but the tone is the same. And it's that tone that can really affect a movie. So this is where it comes to you. Do you like movies like this? Is this your thing or one of your things? All those movies I mentioned, I really like them. They're really good. But if I watched them in some sort of marathon for some weird reason, I would get really sick of it. But maybe that's just me. Maybe only I feel like that. Maybe you look at this movie and go, yes, it's nothing like those other movies. Nothing at all. Billiam, you are wrong. But no matter how you feel about this, this doesn't look like a theater-worthy movie. It looks like something I would definitely watch, but like I say all the time, nothing I would put a lot of work into seeing. Will I eventually see this movie? Yes, I will see this movie because this is the directorial debut of Andy Serkis. That's right, the actor who brought Gollum and Caesar to life is a director now. Is this the kind of movie I thought he'd make? Not at all, but it looks like he knows what he's doing. He picked Andrew Garfield to play a British dude, something I wouldn't have done, even though I just learned that Andrew Garfield, even though he's born in Los Angeles, was spent a lot of time in the UK growing up. So maybe he had an easier time picking up the accent. It sure sounded convincing in the trailer, but no matter what I've said about movies with this kind of tone, it still looks good and it still looks enjoyable. It still looks like something that you would watch to feel feelings. To watch Claire Foy play this woman who is responsible for Andrew Garfield's character living. Because if she wasn't there, if he didn't have her love, he would have given up. And you know what? That is a beautiful story. A beautiful story that gets a 7 out of 11. Yes, folks, that's two sevens in a row. What will I do next? Will I do another movie that's going to get a relatively high score? No. No, I won't. The next movie on the list is called American Satan. 
A rock band, half of its members from England, the other half from America, drop out of college and moves to the Sunset Strip to chase their dreams and get lost in the world of rock and roll, sex, and drugs. This stars Boo Boo Stewart from X-Men Days of Future Past, John Bradley from Game of Thrones, Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange, Denise Richards from Wild Things, and the porn star Tori Black. And welcome to the movie that, just like a bunch of high school goths, are trying way too hard to be edgy. The whole time I was watching this trailer, it just seemed like director Ash Avelsden and writer Maddie Beckerman are just two terrible tryhards. So we have this movie about this rock group and we have their producer or their manager, I don't know what he is, played by Michael McDowell, who is great but but the trailer really hinted at this satanic overtone with like pentagrams everywhere tons of alcohol people in horned masks why the f are there always horned masks in movies like these and lots and lots of gratuitous sex this looks like the type of movie that was created for poser punks the type of asshole that when you ask them what their favorite movie is they say man slc punk of course and if you disagree with them go, you just don't get it you're too mainstream you don't understand the punk life watching this trailer made me angry and not because of any one part of it in particular just because all pulled together this is a gigantic wank fest they're trying to push boundaries and they're trying to push up boundaries that we don't have anymore it's almost like they're thinking, hey, maybe if we throw all of these factors into the same movie, then we'll push new boundaries. No, what you, what you got was a movie that sucks. This is going to be a bad movie that should only go on your list if you really want to see Malcolm McDowell in a movie, or if you just want to see the main character played by Bobo Stewart get a lot of blowjobs. American Satan gets a 2 out of 11. All right, let's get the bad taste of that out of our mouths with a movie that seems like it's just a little too late to the party. That movie is called Six Below, Miracle on the Mountain. Eric Lamarck is a snowboarder who gets lost in the high Sierras after a winter storm. He must fight to survive to make it back home. The stars Josh Hartnett from Lucky Number Slevin, Mira Sorvino from Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and Sarah Dumont from Don John. So is it a little obvious what I mean when I say this movie looks like it's a little late to the party? Especially with last week's The Mountain Between Us and Walking Out. Of course, maybe it's better that this didn't release that same week because this would have been completely destroyed because The Mountain Between Us and Walking Out looked good while this movie looks like... I don't want to say sh** because it doesn't look terrible. It just doesn't look any good. It looks boring. It looks forgettable. It looks sad. And not because of the story, just because it's poorly written, poorly presented. And it's sad because Josh Hartnett and Mira Sorvino were really big for a while there. And it looked like their careers were going up and then just pfft, nothing. Well, I hate to say it, but this movie isn't going to be the start of their comeback career. And another thing that's too bad is that this is based off a true story. This really happened to Eric Lamarck, who is not new to Hollywood. He has done stunts for movies like Batman Begins and Lee Daniels' The Butler, which I didn't even know had stunts, let alone a white guy doing stunts. But this movie, this true story about this guy's harrowing and near-death experience is going to be completely ignored by almost everyone because the fact this is based on a true story isn't enough incentive to see it. Josh Hartnett looks like he does a good job. Mira Sorvino looks like she does a good job. I didn't see much of anyone else in the trailer, so I can't say how the others do, but it still doesn't look that good. Like, this looks so cheesy and so poorly produced that I was expecting it to be a Christian movie. Why did I think that? Watch a trailer, there's some hymn that starts being sung halfway through, and not like an old hymn, but one of those hymns you hear in like modern mega churches, where the church's choir has some singer that was almost a contestant on American Idol. Well, here she is to sing the song again. And you know what? I'm actually going to bring up two things I've already said this episode, that this is a stale theme, that the fact that it's a true story isn't helping the matter, and also this movie feels try-hard. At least the trailer felt try-hard. Here's some song that's supposed to be moving while you see Josh Hartnett struggling to stay alive and crying, wishing he had lived his life differently. And even though it looks like he does a good job in this role, the whole thing feels fake and the whole thing feels skippable. Somewhere, somewhere in production, something went terribly wrong and what could have been a good movie, what could have been this week's Walking Out, turned into a movie that shouldn't be watched by anyone. Six Below, Miracle on the Mountain, gets a three out of eleven. Why did it get a three? Because I gave American Satan a two, and this just looks a little better. All right, future friends, we have two more movies before the next break, and the next movie on the list is called The Secret Scripture. 
A woman keeps a diary where she chronicles her time at a mental hospital. She was placed in that hospital after angering a young priest who was once one of her many suitors when she was a beautiful young woman. This stars Rooney Mara from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Aidan Turner from The Hobbit, Eric Bana from The Time Traveler's Wife, Theo James from The Detergent Series, and Vanessa Redgrave from Mission Impossible. I actually don't have much to say about this. You know, I just rewatched the trailer and I've, I paused recording and I, I've sat here for the last 30 minutes trying to think of something and I don't have anything to say. This looks boring. It makes me wonder who looked at the book of the same name by Sebastian Barry and went, I know, yes, I will make a movie of that. This doesn't look bad, it just looks dull. I don't know what it is that makes this movie so blah. But whatever it is, the entire time the trailer was playing, I had to fight the urge to check my phone because I was so bored. The fact of the matter is, this movie is boring and is 100% skippable. And The Secret Scripture gets a 2 out of 11. Alright, the last movie before the break is a documentary, the first of two this week, called 7852. This is a documentary about the shower scene in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, done in 78 shots and 52 cuts. I know I don't say this often, this is a documentary I may actually watch. I loved the original Psycho. It's one of my all-time favorite scary movies, and it really paved the way for modern-day horror. It was released back in the day when you couldn't just show a murder. But thanks to the clever way it was recorded and cut and the various sound effects and practical visual effects, they made the murder believable. So much so that scared people at the time. Now we may look at that and go, well, that's obviously fake. Hell, we can watch a straight up horror. We can watch a movie where people get slaughtered and go, okay, that's fake. I know it because it's a movie. But back then they hadn't seen anything like that before. So it was shocking to some people. But now we get to see the story behind how it was made. The question we're left with though is does this deserve a one hour and 31 minute documentary and this is part of what makes me want to see it just because how much information is there how much can you really say about the shooting of one scene and i want to see if there really is enough information if it stays interesting or if they stretch it out and just talk about too much stuff that isn't the scene. This is going to feature interviews with people like Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, whose mother was in that famous shower scene, Guillermo del Toro, and Danny Elfman, and other people who have no idea who the f they are. But once again, just like every documentary I've ever talked about, this all comes down to the fact that if you have no interest in the topic, then there's nothing I can say to you. So my friends, do you have any interest in seeing this or is this just another documentary that you're gonna skip just like almost all the others? No matter what any of us have to say about it, it did choose a good time to come out. A documentary about one of the most famous scenes in a horror thriller movie coming out the month of Halloween. 7852 gets a six out of 11. And with that, it's time for the final break. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends, the Watch Your Mouth Podcast and the Uncourt Gamers. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall to wall, filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, yeah, the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that, dude. jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncore Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat, we'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And, and the 80s? And the 80s. <laughs> All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're remember, all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. 
All right, everyone, and we're back. We're back with the second documentary of the week, and also the last documentary. This movie is called Wasted, the story of food waste. This is about food waste, go figure, featuring celebrity chefs and how to make the most out of a meal using scraps most people throw away. And welcome, everyone, to a movie that makes me so torn. Because I do believe that we waste too much food. And this isn't just a America's terrible documentary where it shows how bad we are. I know for a fact other countries are terrible with this, too. Like, the UK has no take-home culture when it comes to food. If you don't finish in the restaurant, throw it away. One time when I was in Wales, I went to a pub and I saw someone that barely ate any of their food and the whole thing was thrown away and it infuriated me. It was turkey and mashed potatoes and beans and good food. But you may be wondering, this seems like something I'm passionate about, or at least mildly passionate about. Why would I say I'm torn? It's because the way it's presented, the people they got to interview look like the biggest high and mighty douchebags. Like some of these people can tell me that we need to fight global warming, and I would probably say, F you, I'm going to keep my car on all night and go around spraying our aerosol cans everywhere just because I hate your f***ing face. Okay, I really wouldn't do that. Only some kind of monster would do that. I hate to say it, but who you have represent your cause is a big deal. That's why a lot of times celebrities step forward as the face of a certain movement, just because they're someone we trust. Like if some dirty hipster in a cardigan sweater and a button-down shirt with Buddy Holly glasses and all kinds of tattoos all over them told you to do something, probably say, okay, dude, go back to your microbrewery and enjoy your IPA. But if someone you trust came forward, some celebrity and goes, hey, we need to do this, you're like, yes, yes, we do. Good point. Or at least someone with more charisma did it. Doesn't even have to be a celebrity. So in this trailer, they had certain people. They had Anthony Bourdain, who's kind of a douchebag, but he's a well-known douchebag. And Mario Batali and some other chefs I didn't even know. And then they throw in these hipster-looking motherfuckers. And I found myself watching the trailer, and even though I agreed with the words they were saying, I just wanted to be hostile. And that is why it's really important for these movies to pick who they're going to have speak very carefully. Like, it really affects your credibility. And it sounds like I'm just being shallow, but think about it. You've seen it. You have seen footage from a protest or something or some social movement where there's some person that they're interviewing that's at the head of the movement. And sometimes you're like, okay, yes, I agree with these words you're saying. Or you sometimes you look at them and go, no, f*** you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, next time there's some sort of big demonstration in your area, watch the news and just pay attention to who they interview and just gauge your reactions to them. That's why I think this movie could have been done a lot better. We waste a lot of food in this world. The whole world does. Sure, there's probably some indigenous tribe in Alaska or Africa or but nowhere Australia that eats every part of the animal and never wastes food. But for the most part, we waste food and we should stop. That's what this movie is trying to tell us, but I think it's been woefully ineffective. So much so that I'm going to skip this one, no matter how I feel about the topic. Wasted, the story of food waste, gets a 4 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we may not have any big blockbusters this week. And you know what? We don't always have to. But what this week does have is four movies that either have really impressive casts or have been pushed a lot. And the first of those movies. It's called Professor Marsden and the Wonder Women. This is a story about William Moulton Marston and his wife and his mistress and their polyamorous relationship, the creation of Wonder Woman, and the controversy that followed. This stars Luke Evans from Dracula Untold, Rebecca Hall from The Prestige, Bella Heathcote from The Neon Demon, and Oliver Platt from Lake Placid. So I just enjoy comic books. I do. I don't read a whole lot. There are certain story arcs I really liked, and I'll every once in a while I'll pick up a current arc of one of the big ones. I really like the new run of Archie that was started by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. I love anything fables. Other than that, my knowledge isn't that great. So when this movie came out and told me that, hey, Wonder Woman was written by this guy who based the character off two women in his life, both of which he was banging, and he came up with a pen name just to keep his two lives separate, just so his polyamorous relationship, should it really be brought into the limelight, wouldn't affect the comic book. Also, comic books weren't really well respected back then, so guess what? It also is protecting him from the comic book. So if you're expecting something that has a lot to do with comics, expect to be disappointed because this movie really is about the guy who wrote Wonder Woman and the two women that inspired him. And the question 
Can one person love two people? Which makes me wonder how accurate is this movie? Because according to the trailer, it looks like his wife is pretty down with this. Yeah, there's this hot young blonde college student that you want to bone. All right. I think she's cute too. I think I'd like to make out with her and So let's do this. Let's bring her into our relationship. Did she really say that? Look, I'm not trying to judge her or anything, but I wonder if the movie is taking an honest approach to telling the story or if it's taking the easy way out and saying, well, let's not deal with any of that drama. Let's just make her okay with it and then deal with the drama that comes as a consequence of the actions. And I don't know how this story ends. I don't know how Professor Marston's story ends. But can it end well? How many stories do we see in Hollywood of people in polyamorous relationships that really do end well? I think they can end well in real life, but only if you're of the culture where that's okay. If you're just some typical American dude who's like, yeah, I want to bang a couple chicks and I want to marry them both. I don't think that's going to end well for you. If you're from some other culture where this is commonplace, maybe you can have a happy ending. So with this dark cloud of potential doom hanging over the movie, is this the kind of movie you want to see? Because either it's going to confirm what we think, it's not going to end well, and then so you're like, okay, I was right, this didn't end well. That still kind of sucks. Or what I don't think is going to happen, and it has a happy ending, where the three live happily ever after. No, this doesn't seem like that kind of movie. And also, the other woman is a college student, and how many times have you heard people talking about their college years and of all the experimenting they did, and how they're glad they did it if they would never do it again? So what are the chances that this couple who wants to try this polygamy thing find this other woman who is young but also really wants this. But here I am talking a lot about the whole polygamy part of this, and I haven't really asked the question yet, is this a movie we should watch? For me, I think that answer is a yes. But for you, I think you have to ask yourself, how much do you like Luke Evans, Rebecca Hall, and Bella Heathcote? Do you even know who the last two are? Do you even know who Luke Evans is? Because he's not, he's not really that big, even though I think he's a really good actor. And I'll just forgive him from agreeing to do The Hobbit. In fact, I'll forgive all of them for agreeing to do The Hobbit. Those movies were terrible. And if you like them, you're wrong. But yes, I like Luke Evans. This is a period piece based off a very little known part of American history about the creation of Wonder Woman and the women that inspired the character. And also, not just the heat this guy took in his personal life for being a polygamist, but also the heat he took from critics for writing this comic book with a female character who gets beat up and tortured and all this other stuff unbecoming of a woman. Did the volume suddenly change? Did you notice that? It's because I actually found a better way to hang this mic from the little boom arm thing. So sorry if there's been volume issues this episode. I'll try to I'll try to fix that in post. We'll see what kind of job I can do. Alright, but either way, even if you agree with me, or if you're of the persuasion that this isn't the kind of movie for you, it doesn't matter because this movie isn't the type of movie to see in theaters. I've been saying that a lot this week, just because there have been good movies coming out, movies I want to see, but nothing I want to see in theaters, nothing I want to put all of this time into. So guess what? If this movie even interests you a little bit, this is something that can go on your list of movies to be watched later, or just movies to keep an eye out for. Because if you really want to see a movie this week, there is something better. In fact, there are three better movies. Okay, maybe two better movies. Two better movies and then a holiday movie. Professor Marston and the Wonder Women get a 6.5 out of 11. Alright, three movies left and the next movie is that holiday movie I talked about. And that holiday is Halloween. That movie is called Happy Death Day. A young woman gets to relive the day of her murder until she finds out who killed her. This stars Jessica Roth from La La Land. Okay, I know what a lot of us have been asking for a long time. When, oh when, are we going to get a love child between Groundhog's Day and Scream? Well, worry not, my friends. That time has finally come with Happy Death Day. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. This is a very stupid looking movie, and I really want to see it. 
It looks terrible, but just self-aware enough to make it okay. It also looks like it has some very interesting visuals. Like, there's this part in the trailer where the killer hits her upside the head with a baseball bat, and as she's falling to the ground, it kind of morphs into her waking up the next day. So as she falls, instead of hitting the ground, she hits a bed, wakes up. And in the second trailer, we see her in a car, and there's gas all around it, of course, because why the f*** not? And then the killer drops a match, car explodes, she opens her eyes in the bed. And you can see the fire reflected in her eyes. So I think this movie is going to do some good. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a movie that's going to get us in the mood for Halloween. And it's just going to be enjoyable. I don't even remember Jessica Roth from La La Land. And I don't recognize any of the other actors. And from the look of it, they don't give great performances. And that's okay because this isn't the type of movie that relies on great performances. This is the kind of movie that you watch to see people get killed. You're going to watch just because you're interested in the story. Who's trying to kill her? Will she find out? How many times and how many different ways is she going to die before she gets it right? And if she gets it right, will she actually survive? Or will something else kill her at the end to lead way to a possible sequel? So this movie does have a lot going for it. It looks fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which you can tell because the song that's going to play over and over is going to be In the Club by 50 Cent. That's right. Just like Groundhog Day had I Got You, Babe, this movie has In the Club. And that tells us all we need to know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. And if you like slasher movies, this is going to be up your alley. Happy Death Day gets a 7 out of 11. And we have two movies left, and this was actually really hard for me, because I want to see both of these movies, but I don't know which one I'm more excited for. So I sat and watched both trailers again, and I think I've decided. I could do a dual pick week this week, but I, I really want to try to avoid those. I want to make myself pick one. But that doesn't mean the other movie is any less than the one I pick. So out of the two movies left, the pick of the week isn't Marshall. This is a story of young Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice, and his career-defining case where he must defend a black man accused of attacking a white socialite. This stars the Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman, Josh Gad from Beauty and the Beast, Kate Hudson from Almost Famous, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, Dan Stevens also from Beauty and the Beast, and James Cromwell from L.A. Confidential. Fun fact, three stars from the movie Beauty and the Beast were in movies this week. The other, of course, Luke Evans, who played Gaston. Anyway, this movie looks really good, and I'm actually excited for it for a couple reasons. The first is, I don't know a lot about Thurgood Marshall, and if this movie is historically accurate, then it's just going to increase the knowledge I have of this groundbreaking lawyer who was the first black Supreme Court justice. Also, this has actors I like in it. Actors I really like. Have you seen This Is Us? That show is great. Sterling K. Brown does a really good job. Chadwick Boseman is a good actor. Josh Gad is great in comedies, but he really shines in serious movies. Something we don't see a lot of. And Dan Stevens really is one of the next big actors. And finally, I'm excited for this because I love law movies. Because when we boil this movie down, it's a law movie, plain and simple. It just has the benefit of being a story about a man we don't know a lot about. Or maybe you do. Maybe you know a lot about him. I don't know. I don't know your life. But my only question is that Chadwick Boseman plays this guy as a really tough son of a bitch. And I'm wondering if Thurgood Marshall really was. Was he this tough guy who really could hold his own in a bar fight? Was he really this dude who blatantly stood up to racism in the South? Was that him? Or did they create this character for the movie? I really hope he was this guy, because it would be very pandering and very disrespectful to change how Thurgood Marshall is presented in this movie and make it so different from the way he really was. So I really hope he was this badass on top of being an intellectual badass. Because if he wasn't, then the people who are making this film are doing him no favors. They're doing his story no favors. But guess what? We don't know. We don't know what this guy was really like. And I don't know, which means I have to go off what I see in the trailer. And what I see in the trailer is a good movie that's going to keep you guessing until the end. Because the trailer hinted that the guy that he's defending isn't telling the whole story. And it's even implied... Well, implied, he comes out, actually comes out and says it, that if he tells the whole story, it's going to get him killed. 
So that's very intriguing. What could it be? Was he having an affair with the woman? And then the husband calls the cops and in order to save face, he says, hey, dude, if you tell anyone really happened that you were screwing my wife, I will lose face. So I will murder you if you tell anyone. And I'll get away with it too because you're black and I'm white and this takes place in the past where people were pants on head retarded. Okay, mind you, not everyone was that stupid, but when we have movies like this, it seems like they find the dumbest motherfuckers to be the jury. Did you not graduate from elementary school and never learn to count past 100? Great, you can be on this jury. Are you super racist? Great, you can be on this jury. Let's wrap this all up and just say that Marshall looks like a really good movie that's going to be well acted, well written, it looks well shot, and it looks like it's just going to be a good movie. Maybe it's going to make our blood boil. If you're anything like me, seeing these period pieces that take place in these racist times just make me really angry. And yes, racism is still around, it's still something we have to deal with, but nothing like it was back then. This movie looks so good that could even be one you see in the theater. If you see a movie in the theater this week, this one or my pick of the week would be great choices. In fact, this movie was my pick until I realized just one great thing about the next movie that pushed it over the top. But let's finish this one up and say Marshall gets a 9 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it's time for the pick of the week. Do you know what it is? Do you know what movies are coming out this week? Because I haven't seen this one advertised a lot. I've seen Marshall advertised a lot. I've seen Happy Death Day advertised a lot, but not this one. Well, the future flicks pick of the week is The Foreigner. A businessman with a hidden past seeks to find his daughter's killer, but a government official is in his way and also may have ties to that terrorist. He decides to take whatever steps necessary to find the killer even if it means going against the government. This stars Jackie Chan from Rush Hour and Pierce Brosnan from GoldenEye. And here is why this is my pick of the week over Marshall. It's because I want to see Jackie Chan in a serious role. And also from the look of the trailers, it looks like he kills it. If you've seen any of Jackie Chan's Chinese movies, I mean, those that aren't just like super cop and those kung fu comedies, just like the ones he did over here. If you've seen any of his other movies, you'll know that he is a good actor. But that is something that we have not been able to see in the States. In the States, Hollywood wants him only in those comedic action roles. They only want him in Rush Hour. They only want him in Shanghai Nights or Shanghai Noon was the first one. They only want him in those funny kung fu roles but now we have this movie that comes out that's going to show us that jackie chan can indeed act but it's going to do so in an action role so at least something about this is going to be familiar it's not like it's just going to throw him into a shakespeare play and go here act and have us go wait what jackie chan and shakespeare okay i guess no it's going to be familiar because he's going to be kicking ass like he always does but he's going to be doing so after having some amazing looking scenes where he just realizes he has nothing left because in this trailer, they already tell you that his family is dead. The daughter was the last person he had left and then she goes and dies in this terrorist bombing. And now he has one goal, vengeance. And vengeance makes for great movies. But here's the thing. I think that Marshall is going to be a better movie. I just think The Foreigner is going to be more enjoyable in the theaters. Marshall will be just as good on your TV while The Foreigner would benefit more from the big screen. Of course, if you don't want to see a movie this week, if none of these interest you that much, then you won't be really missing out if you wait to watch both of these. Both of these movies excite me, but The Foreigner just excites me a little more, and especially because Pierce Brosnan is a bad guy in this one, and yes, he has played a bad guy before, but it's still not something we see often. So we have Jackie Chan in a serious role, something we're not used to, Pierce Brosnan playing a bad guy, something we're not used to, and this action movie that has echoes of Taken, but with Jackie Chan instead. This was a movie I never knew I wanted until it came out. And if you see a movie in the theaters this week, I think this should be it. So it's time for a score. Let's wrap this up, get into the question of the week. And that score is a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, with that, it is time to wrap this up with the question of the week. And the question of the week was, what is your favorite use of a song in a movie? What is a song? And what is the movie? And to be clear, this wasn't a classical score. The Jaws theme wouldn't be an acceptable answer. The example I gave on Instagram was Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangsta by the Ghetto Boys in Office Space. And speaking of Instagram, you know, I didn't get any answers on Instagram. And I see you people liking the pictures. 
take a little extra time and answer the question. Then you'll hear your answer read by my silky and sultry voice. Well, let's turn to Twitter, because Twitter is where we got all of the answers this week. And we can start with the first answer, which came from Fratmat. Fratmat said, stuck in the middle with you from Reservoir Dogs and the end from Apocalypse Now. And this is actually the song The End by The Doors, which coincidentally played at the end of the movie. And I have to admit, when Fratman answered, when I, when I read your answer, I was like, The End of Apocalypse Now? I don't remember that song. Because it's just been way too long since I've seen that movie. And I went just jumped on YouTube to play the scene. I'm like, oh yes, and it all came back to me. So he had two great answers. Though I'm probably going to ask a lot of questions throughout the run of the question of the week until I run out of ideas for the questions, that is. There are probably a lot of questions I'll come up with where Reservoir Dogs could be the answer, because it's a great movie. Brian Q answered next, and he says, People are Strange by Echo and the Bunny Men in Lost Boys. Now, if you've never seen Lost Boys for some weird reason, and you're confused, that's understandable, because a group in the 1980s, sometime in the 80s, did a cover of People Are Strange, and that was used for the movie The Lost Boys. I have to say, you guys are picking great movies so far, this question. The Lost Boys is another movie that could probably be the answer for a lot of different questions, just because it's another great one. Let's jump to Critter. Critter says the whole score from Baby Driver, which if you haven't seen Baby Driver, please make a point of seeing it. I mean, it may be a while until it comes out on DVD. I, I don't know when the release date is. That's Dan from the Watch Your Mouth podcast gig is saying when releases happen. But it was a really good movie that was just made so much better by the soundtrack. He goes on to say, every chase scene had a killer song to go with it, which is true. And he has one more answer, and Bobby Brown's On Our Own from Ghostbusters 2. Which I actually replied, because originally I had had a different answer, but I truly love that song from Ghostbusters 2. You can even say it's one of my gum tracks, just because I always forget that song exists, and then I remember it, and then I listen to it nonstop for a while. And then it tapers off, and I forget it exists again, until I either rewatch Ghostbusters 2, or I see it on my playlist somewhere. Let's move on to the Uncork Gamers who answered. They say Under Pressure in It's Kind of a Funny Story. All the other movies mentioned so far were fairly big ones, so I didn't need to feel the need to talk about them. But this one, if you don't remember, was a movie from 2010 starring Keir Gilchrist, who was in It Follows and is in the Netflix show Atypical. Also had Lauren Graham, Jim Gaffigan, Zach Galifianakis, and Emma Roberts. It's about the one about that kid who checks himself into an adult psychiatric ward and then falls in love and gets to know a crazy-ass Zach Galifianakis. And actually, that looks like it was it. That looks like it was the last answer. And I checked all the regular means to get in contact with me. But if I missed your answer, it's nothing personal. I sometimes do that. Ask Critter. I've done it to him. So if I ever miss an answer, if I if you if you give me an answer and I don't talk about it on the show, always please let me know and I will make it up in the next episode. But what about my answer? Well, I already said that I really love On Our Own from Ghostbusters 2, but since Critter already did that, and also gave me the idea that's actually my favorite, I'm going to go with the answer that I was originally going to say. It's that two movies this year used Country Roads by John Denver in them. And the way they tied in the song with the movie made the song just so important. It wasn't just background music, it was important to the plot. And I won't go into more about why it's important, because that's spoilers, because I'm going to tell you the movies. And those two movies were Logan Lucky and The Kingsman 2. So both of those movies, both movies had Channing Tatum in it, and both movies had Country Roads, Take Me Home, as a big part of the movie. Okay, not huge, but just important part. Well, that's it for the question of the week for last week. Let's come up with one for the next episode that well that you'll answer for the next episode and that question is who is your favorite comedic actor turned dramatic actor and this doesn't have to be a permanent switch this could just be a, a comedic actor who did one serious role and it just really stuck with you and if you think you're going to have trouble thinking of one i just did a simple google search and i came up with a bunch of lists one by indie wire about 20 comedic actors and their best dramatic roles and there are ones i didn't even think of so i just want to preempt anyone who may think that this question's a little harder than normal me i already have my answer but what say you so how do you answer the question of the week well let's jump into the housekeeping and i will tell you 
You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. It doesn't take long. Hell, I did it one night when my dinner was cooking. Because really, the stars are what the powers that be looks at. It's what iTunes looks at when they're thinking about who to put in their new and noteworthy section. Sure, it's usually the same people, but if we suddenly get a huge spike and we get tons and tons of stars, maybe they'll put us there, maybe not. But it's also what advertisers look at, and the sooner that we can start getting paid for this, the more content we can do for you. Because all of us here on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network would love to do this for a living. We'd love to do more content, do more podcasts, more videos, just do more. Let's move on. So I'd love five stars. I'd very much appreciate that. Also, leave a comment. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. Answer the question of the week. And how do you reach me? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, BilliamSWN, or email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast and the Uncourt Gamers, two really good friends of the show. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And please don't forget about Big D the Movie Hunter on YouTube. Link as always in the show notes. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.